0: We hope you're blessed and inspired by today's message. God bless you. Here's the message.
1: It's the living Jesus. Hallelujah. We started um, our Bible reading or our Bible study with Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12 to chapter 2, verse 17 to the end. And we talked about how Paul was able to triumph in his uh, difficulties. He had certain difficulties, which was stated in the scripture, with relations with the people he was preaching to, the people of Corinth. And we highlighted three things. We were talking last week about discouragement, where he has. He has put his time and effort and energy and resource into making other people better. But there were still some certain angles and some certain areas in their lives that were still bringing about discouragement. And we were trying to look at our own apostles who are around us. We took examples from our pastor, Pastor Davis and Pastor
2: Ola.
1: We asked certain questions for them. And we were able to deduce that it takes the grace of God it takes the grace of God to triumph when we are faced with difficulties. I mean that's the bottom line. We derive encouragement from God and one of the one of the ingredients for triumphing in times of difficulty which we highlighted was a clear conscience, a clear conscience. Now today we'll be moving forward to uh, okay, also we highlighted advantages of a clear conscience, yes, and we looked at it each uh, one by one, It said you will not be afraid of the return of Jesus Christ. And we're asking a question about, okay, when you, how confident do you feel when Jesus comes today? How confident do you feel to reign with him? We asked that question, we talked about how intentional we'll be living here. earth i mean it's all about what is in your heart how clear your conscience is and so today we'll be moving forward we'll be looking at the compassionate heart one of the ingredients to triumphing in difficult times the compassionate heart and we'll see why let us look at chapter 2 verse 1 to 11. So I decided that I would not bring you grief with another painful visit. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse one to 11, verse uh, verse two. For if I cause you grief, who will make me glad? Certainly not someone I have grieved. That is why I wrote to you as I did so that when I do come, I won't be grieved by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. Surely you all know that my joy comes from you, from your being joyful. I wrote that, that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted, you, I wanted to let you know how much love I have for you. That's right. I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Most of you opposed him and that was punishment enough. Now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Now that's the person who caused him grief. So verse seven says, now, however, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise he may be, be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions them. For if you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. the Lord bless the reading in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this particular brother who grieved Paul, now some will say, I mean, some Bible scholars will say, okay, it was, he was the particular person he wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, who was living in open fornication. Others think that it was another person who publicly challenged Paul's apostolic authority. So whichever it is, we have to see that how Paul handled the issue and he handled it very well, compassionately. Now, let us us try to understand what compassion means. Amen. Amen. Let's try to understand what compassion means. Now, compassion is a deep feeling of sympathy for someone who is suffering. It is not just an emotion. It is accompanied by a strong desire to take action and alleviate the suffering of that person. Amen. Let me take that again. Compassion is a deep feeling of sympathy for someone who is suffering. It is not just an emotion. It is accompanied by a strong desire to take action and alleviate the suffering you witness. Another literal meaning means that suffering with another person, going through, putting yourself in the position that person is going through at the moment, amen. So what we are saying now is to triumph, we need to put ourselves in that position to have compassion. Now, while I was young, I watched a movie called The Never Ending Story. I don't know how many of us have watched that story, uh, that movie before. Now, it was, long story short, it was, there was a witch in that movie. It was a, I mean, a childhood movie. So now there was a particular witch who was trying to just cause havoc to this particular boy and The boy was running away, running away, running away from the witch. However, towards the end of the movie, the witch caught up with the boy and the witch just gave that boy an opportunity to make a last wish. And the boy crying just said, I wish you would have a heart. I mean, that, that summed it up at my age, maybe between seven and 10 when I watched the movie. I didn't understand. But what I saw that the witch did, you know, someone who was vengeful, was angry, a witch was angry, who who wanted to take uh, uh, vengeance on some some boy who didn't do any much harm. And the next scene we saw was that the witch was crying. The witch was shedding tears and she was going to cause a hurt or a harm on that boy or, or on everybody around. But because that boy wished, because if that boy made a wish, it will come to pass in that movie. So when that boy made that wish, I wish you will have a heart, the witch started crying. And all things that were so hard, I mean, around, the witch let go and forgave the boy. Fast forward to years later, of course, I didn't know what that meant then. But fast forward years later, I came across uh, this scripture, Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now, in in another version, it says a heart, a sensitive heart. Another version also says an obedient heart. It's the heart of flesh I'm trying to focus here on. Now, first forward. verse 27 says, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it Plentiful and will bring and will not bring famine upon you. Verse 30, I will increase the fruit of your trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Amen. Amen. So what I'm trying to bring out here is that that verse that says, I'll give you a heart of flesh. That means a sensitive heart, a compassionate heart. It shows that from verse 26 to verse 30 of Ezekiel 36, it shows that a compassionate heart is an ingredient to enjoying God's favor. Amen. Amen. As a leader. Now, Theodore Roosevelt, who was the 26th American president between 1901 to 1909, he says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how how brilliant you are, how how well-equipped or rich you are, until they see how much you truly care. That's when they give you respect. Amen. Amen. So you will see that even Jesus, Bible says, and Jesus wept when he came to the tomb of Lazarus, because he loved him. Passionately, he loved Lazarus. He 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 could wake him up. Of course, they called him when he was, was going to die, but at that point, when he came, when he came, when, when they asked him to come, he delayed it for another days before he now went to, to, to raise Lazarus. And at that point, the Bible says, and Jesus wept. There are many scriptures that talk about uh, 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 the compassion of God. The Bible says, shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13, shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth, Burst into songs, you mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. In Exodus chapter 39, 33, verse 19, it says, and the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Amen. Amen. So it is very important for us as believers to have compassion because it is an ingredient for us to enjoy the favor of God. Compassion also cuts across when others uh, offend us. Now, the degree of offense, irrespective, it doesn't matter. We've all also offended God, but out of his compassion, he sent Jesus to die for us. Amen. Amen. So I'm bringing home to the point a compassionate heart is very, very important. Compassionate love, it puts others first. God knew that <laughs> before Jesus came to die for us, he knew that man stand no chance to entering into his kingdom. said, without holiness, no man can see God. So he knew that we, we are just sitting on a keg of gunpowder if he didn't send Jesus to die for us. Okay. And so him sending Jesus to die for us was just was just the way out. And it's an example, a perfect example of God's compassionate love to us. He's putting us first. And so this is the this is the way also Paul was living. People cost him great sorrow. What? You know, he didn't put that into focus. Guess what? I know that some people who offend us, if they know better, they will act better. Amen. Amen. Of course, there are some die-hearted people who you don't even offend. They would, they, would, they, they would just cause people harm. But I'm saying genuinely, when people know better, they will act better. So that's why Paul, I, you know, I was saying in the last time that let's, when people even offend us, we should give a benefit of doubt to yeah. such a person. It helps to understand that person's position of ac- action. But Paul says, I wrote that letter in great anguish, with a troubled heart and many tears, but I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted to let you know how much. I love, how much love I have for you. Amen. Amen. So that was Paul. He didn't want to show his grief, but he just wanted to show how much love he had for them. And sometimes that is the way to go. Pastors most of the time talks about when when, uh, uh, children or teenagers, he teaches, when when they, they prove stubborn sometimes, but when he comes from the angle of love, showing them concern, showing them how he genuinely feels for them, it breaks them down, no matter how hard-hearted they are. Those teenagers, they come down and they love him because he is he's going beyond the maths. he teaches them. He shows his genuine care for them. And so that, that's why most of them come out very well. Because it goes beyond, uh, we've now learned that uh, what, what pastor usually says the pedagogy of education. So uh, part of it, I, I hope I got it right, sir. <laughs> so part of it, part of it is that it, it's it goes beyond uh, the, the the mathematics he teaches. There's a psychology towards it too. The people need to see how much you care. So, Exactly what Theodore Roosevelt said. People don't care how much you know. They want to see, they want to know how much you care. And that's when they can relate. That is when they can accept and assimilate whatever you bring their way. Don't forget that this church in Corinth, they owe Paul nothing. Apart from the letters he was writing to them. They owe him nothing. They can choose to obey. They can choose to not obey. They can choose to relate, they can choose not to relate, they can choose to accept his apostleship, they can choose not to. However, he still projected a compassionate side of himself, because that is what Jesus will do. Every question I say is, what will Jesus do in my position? It will be, what whatever Jesus will do is what we should always think about. Next slide, Pastor. Next slide, Pastor. The other side. B. Now, compassionate love seeks to help others grow. Amen. Amen. Thank God for God and thank God for how he's breathing on his people, how he's Helping everyone as we move into sanctification, Amen. Amen. This should be our lifestyle. Where, when we see others who lack the information we have, we are there. If we have that information, we should be there to give that information out. How 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 concerned would you be when you have an information that will benefit someone, and? You have it and you don't give that person. Would you be happy to see that person go through at the negative side of it or the consequence of not having that information? Amen. 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 It's, it's all about where you rise up the ladder, you take someone along as you rise up the ladder. Amen. That is compassionate love. It seeks to help others grow. Not to talk about, I mean, not to project myself. I just want to use this example. There's a particular friend of mine I've been speaking with uh, to come to the UK. We worked in the same company in Nigeria and I encouraged him right back from 2017 to come to the UK and he has been, okay, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. Now, when things moved from uh, bad to worse kind of in the organization, he reached out to me and he was, like David, the word you said, no, no, I, he didn't reach out to me. I still, like every year, I just keep t- talking to him about the same thing. And by God's grace, the word entered into his heart this year, around March. To cut the long story short, he's here in the UK. In, within three weeks, he got into the UK. He got his national insurance number. He got a job. He got, he got, he got a house. Within three weeks of moving to the UK, where some people are still struggling. Now, the growth I have seen in my own life is what I was just so passionate about, just to, just to encourage him to also do. Now, he went on his LinkedIn profile and uh, uh, put on his LinkedIn profile, I got uh, a job. And you know, it will alert so many people from the organization we are all coming from. I mean, he got. Hundreds of congratulations. (laughs) Hundreds of congratulations because he was happy he got that job. And guess what? It will multiply itself. I've told one person he will tell two other people, two other people will tell four other people. It's all about trying to help others succeed as well. You have an information that you know will be beneficial to a brother or a sister or someone who has even been a hurt to you. No matter what, I mean when such a person, when you give such a person that kind of information, it's like heaping coals of fire, like literally how Jesus said. heaping coals of fire on such a person, because the person will be like after the hurt I did to you, you can still think about me in the best light possible, and give me this saving information. Amen. So Amen. as Christians, let us, you know, Jesus, I mean, God didn't look at the sins we committed before sending Jesus to us. So that is the same way we should also project ourselves. Amen. 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 Now, the very, there are so many examples of what Jesus did in the Bible, how he put others first, but there are so many. And this, this Christian walk, it's all about when we look into the scriptures and we see how God has been compassionate to us all, how he sent the Savior to come and suffer for the world. And it's just a call to us as Christians, to, a call to us to live and act compassionately. True discipline is an evidence of love. We know that this man eventually felt helped by his kind of loving attention given to him by Paul. Don't forget that this man offended Paul. So at that point in time, he had to, he had to come to his senses. well, by the help of God, because Paul was not, didn't stop praying for him. He didn't stop praying for him, but he corrected that person in love as well. And while he did so, he continued to pray for him. And that person came back into that fold as a regenerated soul. Mm -hmm. So when our compassionate love goes abroad to even those who have offended us, it helps to bring that person back into the fold. The C part. Next slide, Matthew. Compassionate love forgives and encourages. I mean, it's just, it, it, it encapsulates everything. It forgives and encourages. Paul urged the church family to forgive that man, that particular man. And when he felt that loving uh, forgiveness, that was the, 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 the attention. That, that was the drawback that brought that person back into the fold. Be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. That was how Paul put it said, forgive that man lest he be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. He was still concerned. Well, he rebuked him, but he was still concerned so that he doesn't go away. Now, forgiveness is the medicine that helps to heal broken hearts. It's, it's, we need God's grace to be able to do so. When people stab you in the back and you genuinely love them and they stab you in the back, what do you do? You just commit them into God's hands. Amen. Just Amen. commit them into God's hands and ask for the grace to forgive. Amen. Ask for the grace to forgive. That is, that is what our Christian work demands. Guess what? It will give you that peace. The peace to go on higher. And when we uh, show for that compassionate love, it brings that person back. To, 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 to admit the wrong and retrace his steps. He's our his step. So likewise, when parents discipline their children, they must follow that discipline with an assurance of love and forgiveness, or the discipline would do more harm than good. Now your Adegi says, when you use the right hand to, uh, 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 to correct the child, you use the left to draw him or her closer. So that the... the The right hand you are using to correct will not chase the the, the, the child away. Next slide, please. Conquering faith. Do we have any questions so far about a compassionate heart? Any questions so far? Okay. Conquering faith. Chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. Sorry, sir, before you go ahead, Go ahead, sir. I have a question. Yes, sir. Yes, as we are just speaking, I was just thinking about this compassionate act of a thing. Yes, sir. My, my question is: Is it possible for for not born again person to be mm-hmm. compassionate? To be compassionate. Yeah. Because you are talking about putting people first, you know. I begin to imagine all those words are waiting for me. And uh, you were talking about when people offend you, we uh, need to commit it to God and all of that. You know, I, I, the idea that keeps coming in my heart of the fact that, that you should pray for those who despite fully use us. And my, my question basically is that, is it possible for somebody who's not born again to have this compassionate heart, this, this kind of heart that Brother Paul is teaching here? That's my question, sir. Okay. Any input from anyone? I mean, you want to say something? Okay. No, sir, I'll just change my background. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Any other person, please? I need any I need responses from someone so that I'm not the only one talking. Uh, there's no other person. Let me, let me put Pascal on this spot. Okay, all
0: right.
1: All right,
0: Pastor, go for it. No, no, no. Let Pastor I'll speak there. I'll speak. There.
1: Okay.
2: Sir. I was hoping to learn on that particular question.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> compassion and um, I mean to, to be compassionate. Compassion itself is an English word in this case. And I think in Dickin uh, gave us a brief definition of that. But being compassionate as a natural human being and being compassionate in the sense of the fruit of the spirit or the kind of compassion that Paul is talking about, a, there's a difference to it. And the difference on the one hand is the fact that there is a degree to which our humanness or humanity left to us, left to we and our goodness at our best. There's a limit to which we can be compassionate. There is a dimension of compassion that it takes the grace of God and the spirit of God to supply what you need to do it. That's exactly the kind of scenario that is playing out here. The natural thing to do is not what Paul is doing. Yes, someone that has um, brought him so much pain, even if we don't have all the full details, but you can tell that Paul is writing from, he said the letter he wrote before this week we don't have, he wrote it in deep anguish. So it's not, it's not, uh, it's not something that we can find in our humanness to do, but can we be good? Yes. Can people be, I mean, there are lots of philanthropies, uh, philanthropists around that are not born again. And they will say they are doing those things because on the one hand, they have been empathetic, or maybe they've been there, done that. I've also suffered like that before. And so now that God has blessed me, or even if they don't acknowledge God, they just thought they should give back. But that's to the extent to which they are able to, to the extent to which they have the human resource. But there is a limit to that. There are so very many things on the other side of the limitations of our humanity that it takes the grace of God, the grace of God being what God can do in us, which we cannot do by ourselves. You know, sometimes we say the grace, the grace, the grace. One of the interesting definitions of of grace that I like. Is the capacity of God in us to do what we cannot do ourselves. That's the kind of compassion that we are talking about here. But whether it is um, compassion in the sense of helping someone cross the road on the streets or compassion in forgiving someone that has deeply offended you as a believer, the Holy Spirit helps us in all of that. And so even that which is good in our humanness, which of course when I say good, that's a relative term. As far as God is concerned, the best of us is still far from we cannot, we can never qualify to God's standard by the level of our goodness. But even that which is good in us, when we come to Christ, he redeems everything and redeems our capacity to be able to be a blessing, to be able to be compassionate like this and the very other many dimensions of the fruits of the spirit. So that would be my my thinking about it. But I don't know. I think there's actually something specific. Mm. Peter, bro, Peter is after that he has not <laughs> said. So maybe in saying that specific thing, or maybe a particular case study that is going on in his mind, it might help us to be able to Sabenko like Europeans would say,
1: or eat the dead. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pastor
0: Davis. Pastor, sir. Yeah, praise God. And Hallelujah. Pastor. I like the angle Pastor brought it. The, the word compassion, I think, um, if you look at the, the real biblical definition of it, it means if you look at the Bible, read the scripture where that word is first used, the first of the, the law first mentioned, then if you seek subsequently, compassion means to suffer with. Yeah. You're going through, we do not have a high priest. That cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Yeah, compassion. He's, he went through the reason why he went through everything. He went through sorrow. We, you mentioned today that he wept at the tomb of Lazarus. So Jesus wept. He knew what they call hunger and test. He knew what they call rejection. That is compassion. Now, I think sometimes we miss it with generosity. We mm-hmm. miss it with other words. That's why Evangelist Peter said those words are weighty. Naturally, we can have spontaneous compassion but genuine and sustained compassion is birthed from the spirit of god because you don't have that natural ability it is by the grace of god somebody hurts you but still have compassion and it hurts you again and you still you it's just it's just that compassion look at jesus christ when he was on that on that what was on that cross like when was, what was he praying for? He was still praying for those people that are hurting him. That's compassion. He was go, he's, he's, That's the hype. That's the compassion. So it means that person's heartbreak is your heartbreak. You know, sometimes when people go through heartbreak, you can only sympathize with them so far. You can see and say, hey, yeah, hey. You can see all those stuff like that. Sometimes you take your things and you go away. And you can pray for them for so a few minutes, but life carries on. I'll give you an example. Like two weeks ago, a woman in my place of work, uh, she came in, she's been in that place. I've been in the organization before I left, then after some years came back. So she knew me, she's one of the oldest that we know as her very much. Then that morning she was coming to work and she came to work that morning. She stepped in, parked in a car and she stepped out of that car. She slumped and died just by the side of the car. And she was due to retire yesterday. That's the package of the retirement thing because she's going to be 60-something, six 67. That was quite painful. Everybody's eyes was like really red and blah 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 blah. It was very, very painful because she just had a heart. And she I was still with that. She was still joking the day before when I was going home and she was going home. And that's the end of her life, like that. So now, what did I want to bring out there? She has a very good friend, a close mate. They were together, and that person was crying profusely that day. Then when she came back the, uh, on Monday, I said, Oh, I hope things were not too hard for you. White lady, and he said, Oh no, Dr. Davis, no, 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 no. He said, What? You know, because I was just crying, because they tell her to go. You know she told her to go then she said oh i have to go to the pub i have to I said, go to the pub that really baffled me she said i have to go to the pub i said go to the that, that took me back he said because and i have to go to the pub and just make sure that i dream myself and so she just get has got herself drunk and wasted that day and I, and she said i said she said she had another program she was meant to go to a party or something like that the weekend and she said she actually went and in my mind, I was like, is that actually compassion? I was thinking that the way she was crying that, that day. And I said, what happened? And she said, you know what? I thought in my mind, that is what she would have wanted. She would have said to me, go enjoy yourself, life carries on. Have, and I was like, wow. So that's her own interpretation of compassion. That's her own. She, she is thinking that that's what she'll have said. And most of the other ones. And all they did was one minute silence. And that's the hand of that woman. She's still not buried. She's still in the mortuary. So, what I'm trying to say is that it takes compassion. It takes the Holy Spirit. So, people can now interpret it in different ways. Like what Pastor said, some people give you now a gift. And said, doesn't it doesn't mean people have compassion. The regenerate, sustained compassion comes from the Spirit of God. It comes because the one that is not, does not come from the Spirit of God, it goes back to the source which is but for a purpose only no to the person that's giving it out in the first place. We all have compassion for chickens, but just to kill them at the Christmas and put them in our our pot. So so that is what I want to say. All right, thank you
1: very much, Pastor. Yeah. uh, You hope you're satisfied. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Bible says in Mark chapter six, verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Now this is where I'm going. He says because they were like a sheep without a shepherd, they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. To have compassion, you need to put yourself in people's shoes. Pastor was mentioned the scripture. He says we we have a high priest. Who cannot be touched? I mean, who, who, who is touched by the feelings of our infirmities? Amen. Jesus knows what we are going through. So you have to put yourself in that. I mean, sometimes when I see someone uh, maybe fall off, I'm, I'm watching a video. Can you imagine? I'm watching a video and I see somebody fall off uh, a bike or has an injury immediately, or I see a sight of blood. There's a, like... A drop of adrenaline that just drops in my heart and it gives me that cringe. How many of us go through that? When, when you, can't, you can't just stand to see that person go through that. I mean, you can't just look at it. It comes from a heart of compassion. Amen. You you, you are putting yourself in that person's shoes and you just feel, wow, God, how can this person be going through this? The pain of it is, you can't explain. So it takes, if we say we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and if Jesus was really compassionate to people, we have no option than to be compassionate even to your next door neighbor. Mm. Amen. Amen. We have to be compassionate. It is a, a, a... a prerequisite for also enjoying God's favor. It's a prerequisite to triumphing through difficulties. Amen. So let's move on to a conquering faith. Sister, Second point. Hand. Sister who? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Sister, yeah. all right, go for it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just a quick one. You did. Yes. You mentioned earlier how that even when we're doing, even when we're doing good or being compassionate to people that are mean, and that they offend us with without reason, it would be as though we. If we do good to them, it will be as though we're heaping hot coals on their head. But then I felt a check. Is the motive pure? Like if you're doing good to someone because you're spiritually doing evil to them, like it's. I don't know, <laughs> It's kind of like a wrong motive to say, okay, you, I'll
2: do you bad, but by doing you good, I don't understand the analogy of that. If you can explain, please.
1: What did we start with as uh, uh, one of the ingredients of Paul in this context? We started with a clear conscience. Amen. So, God knows your heart. So, you have to do that, you have to forgive that person with a clear heart, with a clear conscience. Okay. Amen. Amen. You know, you know. I, I can't see your heart. God sees your heart. So when you do it, when you are really forgiving that person, you must truly be forgiving that person. I mean, okay. after all, if you are doing it from a compassionate heart, you won't be seeking to hurt that person. If you are truly doing it from a compassionate heart, am I clear?
0: Yes. So.
1: Does that answer the question? No.
0: It does. Yes. Okay, but but it, the part of the heaping of the coal is being left well, that
1: I'm, I'm just quoting what Jesus said, isn't it? Okay,
0: that's what so wait, how, how does that come into play then?
1: Okay, erase that part there. <laughs> erase that part okay, and don't let it confuse you. Just do okay. it from a compassionate heart. Okay, let sir. the Holy Spirit guide you. Yeah. Is that right? Good. Yes, it is. So thank you. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 to 17. When I came to the city of Troas to, to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. But I had no peace of mind because my dear brother Titus hadn't yet arrived with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia to find him. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Like a sweet perfume. Amen. Verse 15. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Let's take note of that side. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Don't forget the the part of the Bible that says, let us make our lives a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Amen. So this is another part. It says our lives are a a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. So for those who are being saved, they see it in a different light. For those who are perishing, they see it in another different light. Now, to those who are perishing now, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are like a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Yes. brethren whatever we do whatever step we take whatever move we make have it at your back of your mind that God is watching you. Okay. it's one guide to living a life of triumphant uh, uh victory throughout your lifetime so what are we bringing out from this uh, scripture verse 12 to I mean verse 12 to 17 is a conquering faith what is a conquering faith? okay let's start by by what is faith faith we understand is faith. now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see amen faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see so what is conquering faith the faith that conquers amen the faith that conquers. But beyond that, I want to bring another dimension to it. If, I, if we look at 1 John chapter uh, 5, verse 45, it says, For whatever is born of God conquers the world. Amen. Whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world. Our faith. What conquers the world? Our faith. So who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? So getting saved is the first deal. Getting on the side of Jesus. Bible says in Colossians chapter one, verse 13, God has redeemed us from darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So when we are on God's side, we are operating in the, place of victory amen Amen. so our path when 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 we come through life's difficulties the path that god gives us to play is to believe in him amen Amen. to believe in him to put our complete trust in him and when we do that we're able to conquer the things of the world that is it and that is God's plan. Amen. Look at that later part, that verse 5. It says, who is it that conquers the world? But the one who believes in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Amen. Coming from a, a, a part where in Colossians 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if we fast forward from where we are looking at into 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three to six. It says, for we do not walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. Verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. 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 So now, what we're trying to bring out here is the area of stronghold. What is your faith trying to conquer? It's a stronghold. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So there are certain things that just Elevates itself against you, but your belief, your, your, your assurance of Jesus Christ, who is your savior, will make you defeated. pastor usually says that uh, uh, the battle is in the mind. Amen. The battle is in the mind. So what we need to conquer obstacles and to tear down strongholds is... To feed yourself, to feed your heart with the word of God. Feed your heart with the word of God. Now, Paul was a master at that. He knew the God he was serving. In verse 14, he says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Those who know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. You want to do exploits, you have to be strong in God. You have to know the God that you serve. Amen. It's not just uh, 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 calling Jesus as an association. You have to know the God you serve personally before the faith you have in him can deliver to you. Now, let us consider three ways Paul showed his faith in God according to these verses. Pastor, next slide. Now, Paul was sure that God was leading him. Brethren, we need to get to that point that you know God by the back of your hand, like the back of your hand. You have to be completely sure. Now, when pastor comes to tell us what God told him to tell his people, he's not telling us by, by feeling. He's not telling us because I, I think I heard God say this, I think I heard God say this. He said, I should tell when he, when such a person even comes to you, you will know that this man is speaking it. Hmm. And he said, hey, I think, and, and God said, uh, uh, We should do this. No, <laughs> you have to, brethren, we have to get to that point where what Pastor is seeing, you too can see it. Amen. 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 Yeah. I challenge us to this Christian walk. We have to be sure, like Paul was sure that God was leading him. Mm-hmm. When you want to take certain decisions in your family, maybe as the father of the house, you have to be sure that this is what God has installed, the direction God is taking your family. As a mother, you want to guide your children. You have to be sure that this is the direction God is leading us. Paul, in this circumstance, was he, the the circumstances were not comfortable, and Paul could not explain the details of and disappointment, but he was sure that God was in control. We need to get to that point that we know of a surety, that God, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Amen. Brethren, it's all about Christ, and if we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we need to always see ourselves seated in Christ, in heavenly places. As he's making declarations, we also, we can also make that declaration. He has given us the power. Bible says, he said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. And so that power he has given to us. So our faith to conquer is already deposited in us. Mm -hmm we have to be guaranteed that God is always there for us. So whenever challenges come, whenever difficulties come in life, guess what? Our focus, our perception, our mentality should be that I am operating on the victory side. Amen.
0: Pastor? Praise God. I just, uh, as you we were discussing that, yes, I just God. wanted to us to quickly discuss, if you have time in one minute, okay, one minute. Uh, what's the what's the similarities or the connection between faith and faithfulness? Faith and faithfulness. Mm -hmm. All right, it's for the whole house. Yeah.
1: For the whole house, what is the similarity between faith and faithfulness? I mean, the literal meaning is faith, of course, we define faith. Faith is the Confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. Now, faithfulness is being filled with that faith. <laughs> Amen. So, that's a literal meaning. So, if you have any other meaning and definition, can I hear someone open the floor? Please, I just want to say that faithfulness, yeah, you can't be faithful until you have faith. Hmm. Because faithfulness requires that you walk in faith, actually. Because faith is what gives you handle on what you cannot see. All right? It helps you to feel it. It helps you to handle things that you cannot see. And, and then it causes you to be faithful
0: yeah.
1: along the line.
0: Okay. That's a very good one, Sister Lioness. God bless you. Mm. Any other person?
1: One, okay. one other way that I could articulate it would
2: be to, to think of faithfulness as faith sustained. In other words, when you continue to demonstrate faith, you are faithful. And faith then being at the basis of it, faith is obeying God's word. The assurance of things not seen, the evidence of things not seen, means that you will take some decisions because God instructed you to even when there are no logical justifications. And when you do that consistently, when you sustain that, when that becomes a lifestyle, then we begin to talk of faithfulness. Faithfulness is not a one time thing. You can't say someone is faithful because he did something once. You are faithful because you've been consistently doing it. So, practicing faith consistently, sustainably, that's faithfulness in a manner of speaking.
1: Yeah. To buttress that, I want to say faith is believing God. When you are talking about faithfulness, mean that you are staying in that faith. You are not going out of it. It's not that you believe today and tomorrow. When they ask Peter, "Where is Peter?" Peter is no more having faith in the Lord.
0: Praise God! I like I like the contribution. I think we are all great Bible scholars. It's all just nail on the head. So faith itself. It's, uh, I like the definition that we gave, but we don't. We need to also understand that faith is not uh, it's not a way that is 100% limited to Christians. So faith itself is a convention, it's a belief that something is true or something is real. So our our brethren or our brothers or sisters of the born Women, I don't want to mention the name, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. They are faith in that religion, okay? It's a belief and convention that something is true. But I want us to move. How do I actually recognize a true born-again Christian? It's by faithfulness. Faithfulness is living that truth.
1: Yeah.
0: It's living that reality. Just like Stalane said, what "Do the faith itself give you the handle. The faithfulness is the practice. That is the fruit of the sanctification going on in you. And God decides, so our faith must turn to faithfulness. It must turn to faithfulness. An example is very very simple. You have conviction and believe that this is the person you will marry. You go to the altar, go right. ahead, and you marry that person. You have faith, but faithfulness demands that when you get back to the house. There there will be days that you say, how did I even come across this woman or this man? (laughs) There will be days that you'll be, but faithfulness demands that in the good, the bad and the ugly, you stay to your feet. That you stay with that. So that's faithfulness. So that is the evidence that give us, that give us truly those that genuinely born again. Mm -hmm. Because we can see faithfulness, God faithfulness. That's why the Bible says, <coughs> Great is that faithfulness, oh God. For God so loved the world, He didn't stop there. But what he, did He do? He now showed that faith by sending His only begotten Son. May the Lord give us understanding. Amen.
1: Thank you very much, Pastor. That, that's, that's, I like that, uh, the, that dimension you brought about someone getting married because, okay, He has faith that that's the, that's the direction God's leading the person. And to remain in that marriage, good or bad, remaining faithful. That is another dimension towards faithfulness. God bless you. Thank you for that spanner you threw into it.
0: <laughs> the B part. Pastor? Yes, I do the wanted to say something. I think she was just ruminating. Okay, 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 okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, B part. Paul also
1: was sure that God was leading him in triumph. I uh, will put here, you know, a picture. You know, remember when Liverpool won the Champions League and Liverpool went out the next day and they were showing the cup. They were, I mean, the town was painted red. That is an example of triumph. Amen. That is an, that's what triumph looks like. When you are fighting and battling and trying to win a war or a challenge or a, or a difficulty and you triumph and you win, that's what it looks like. Amen. Amen. Now, because Paul was sure God was leading him, he knew God would lead him into triumph, And that's what his faith was, gave him. He gave That conquering faith gave him confidence that he was going to win, no matter what challenge came his way. Now, likewise, Jesus was also won a splendid victory and he leads us through the journey of life with us in his chariot, sharing the victory together with him so that we put that part so we do not fight only for victory. We fight from the point of victory. Amen. Amen. And finally, the C part, Paul was very sure that God was using him as he was leading him. God was, I mean, Paul was so sure that the way God is using me, He's the one leading me, honestly. So we need to get to that point in our Christian walk that you are sure that the Lord is the one leading you. So that is why you have to have a clear conscience. You have to have a compassionate heart. These are prerequisites into making your faith a conquering one. Amen. Amen. Paul. Therefore, liken believers to incense, giving forth the fragrance of Jesus Christ in their lives and labors. Hallelujah. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: So it's very important. I mean, in the context of 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11 to 2, verse 17, in the context of what we have studied so far, Paul just exemplified that to, to triumph through life's difficulties. You need a clear conscience, you need a, com- a compassionate heart, and you need a conquering faith. It's, it's not just only these three in life. We need to also go, we'll go ahead in the later uh, verses to also see how he manoeuvred and he won through all the difficulties he had. Circumstances, in conclusion, may discourage us, and people may, may oppose us and misunderstand us. But we have in Christ the spiritual resources to win the battle, Amen. Amen. We have the resource to win the battle, which is clear conscience, a compassionate heart, and a conquering faith. Now, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nay, mm-hmm. in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And the Lord bless His words in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. May His words find expression in our hearts. We don't just want to listen and listen for listening's sake. We also want to be doers. The essence of this series is this particular topic is to triumph through life difficulties. And these three ingredients are very important in our Christian walk with God. The Lord bless our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Over to you, Pastor.
2: Thank you very much, sir. God bless you for that. Powerful session. I want over to, to prop Peter
0: to lead us in the prayer session and to pray for our facilitator. Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to add one thing. Sorry, Evangelist, uh, because you pray now. That one of the things that I also want to bring out from what Brother Paul is saying. Uh, this is a difficult one. Is when we forgive people, we also learn to forget. Yeah, forgive and forget. So when you keep bringing about that, if you look at the Paul's summary, so that we don't give chance to Satan, if you look mm. at Paul's summary, that's one of the things he's saying that we don't allow devil to take advantage. Mm. So forgive and forget. Now, does that say that you give those that person all the all the, give that person the opportunity to hurt you or all of this? No, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit will guide your step. There is, there is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear. The Bible says in Hebrews 8 say, For I'll be merciful towards their iniquities and their sins I will remember no more. So, if Father forgive and remember your sins no more, that is what we should also do. If you let the Holy Spirit break that thing down, Otherwise, you'll be carrying around baggage and baggage of things. You're forgiving them, but the devil knows your weak points. I pray that our prayer will not be in that in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen.